श्री गुरुवैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए श्री हरि नाम प्रभु की जाए श्री श्री गौर नित्यानंद की जाए गौर भक्तवृंद की जाए गौर प्रेमानंदे बोलो सो टुडे विल इंगेज इन नाम महिमा speaking something in glorification of nam nam prabhu hari nam <clears throat> hari is a very favorite uh, name of the devotees of shri krishna it uh, has a particular meaning in the brajlok where shri krishna served in intimacy hari means he who takes away steals and um the idea there is of course that he is the one krishna has stolen their hearts and so in gaudiya sampradaya nam is krishna nam but it's more readily referred to as harinam and the idea is that he has such power hmm? hari <coughs> the charming son of nanda marsh in the form of his name it is said that the name and the named are non different and to realize this then is the perfection of the chanting but before we realize this we recognize at least and hopefully in time we'll also realize that there is at the same time a difference between the name and the named and that is that the named make a distance but the name will nonetheless approach so in the form of his name the named is more readily accessible and uh the idea that he's a thief plays itself out that much more pujapatridamarsh uh, gave the example of how thieves don't care for high walls and locked doors and this is the uh, very much then the nature of hari that uh, through the uh, sankirtan of hari nam nam prabhu goes within our hearts where we have erected around which we have erected high walls and locked the door we're not letting just anyone in we protect our hearts <coughs> but he's very sly and doesn't care for that and in kind of an, an aggressive way like a thief he he steals into the night uh, unbeknownst to us so to speak while we are in the slumber of our material existence and he plays his magic hmm? what does he do 
परमानंद ब्रह्मी ते कौन भगवान जी गुरु कृष्ण प्रसादे भाई भक्ति लतो बीज इट इज सेड दैट द जीव सोल इज वांडरिंग थ्रू आउट द ब्रह्मांडा द यूनिवर्स through many different species of life this jiva is then what the christians call the soul well they have a different idea about it but to, to use a uh, english translation the soul consciousness we can say <coughs> that magical mystical thing that you you uh, that uh, appears as uh, what do we call uh, life so to speak so this uh jiva consciousness unit of consciousness is wandering throughout the universe passing through different species of life the human species of life facilitates that consciousness for coming out expressing itself becoming aware of itself to one extent or another and um <coughs> that makes human life then very special amongst all the forms of life and in this form of life that uh, jiva that's wandering it is said becomes bhagya bhagya means lucky so uh, by chance <laughs> it happened by chance uh, they say and materialists say life happened by chance and we say that life of the self waking up to itself uh, happens by chance but that chance is also explained in in the uh, godia sampradaya to be what it is the association the blessing of a sadhu a vaishnava of of consequence of spiritual standing <coughs> maharaj parikshit parikshit means inquirer so he was he's the personification of inquiring he inquired to the fullest measure of uh the uh well i say he inquired about what's most important what's most important was what to do at the time of death which is now proper used to say that no one is can say they're not close to death old is close to death no one can say they're not old we cannot say how close we are to death <coughs> and so we should inquire about that that's not a morbid uh, preoccupation but uh, it's obviously a big part of life gita says what is what is born dies what is dies will be born so this birth and death there uh, which is we celebrate birth hmm, we should live in such a way that we can celebrate death also that it shouldn't be a problem to us So Prakrit Marjani he was inquiring about death what he had been cursed to die in seven days so he wanted to know what to do at the time of death and how one should conduct oneself in life so that one would be prepared for that mm. Yudhisthira Marjan the Mahabharat was asked what's the most wonderful thing and he said the most wonderful thing is that everyone's dying and people everyone acts as if they're not they don't conduct themselves 
in terms of this um, reality, which in a sense is the fact that our present state of being, a sense of self, materially speaking, that won't endure. But that we do, this is to be realized in human life. So Parikshaningly was inquiring and the whole of the uh, intelligentsia of Bharata arrived at the bank of the Ganges there to offer insight, answer to his question. And as various answers were being offered, suddenly, by chance, as it were, the boy Sukadev, 16-year-old boy, appeared naked, uh, misunderstood as he was by the uh, villagers. The children were making fun of him. He was oblivious to external consciousness, is the idea of his being depicted as, as uh, uh, naked, appearing naked. And so the, the kids were making fun of him and uh, throwing things at him and and so on. But he was oblivious to this, but the sages could understand, oh, uh, this is, uh, means he has no attachments. Hmm? So who, the lesson is what? Who has no attachment has solved the problem of dying. Hmm? Because the problem, what makes dying a problem is that there are things that we are attached to that we can't take with us. What are those things? It comes down to our very sense of self, imagined sense of self, imagined sense of self based on a imagined sense of proprietorship, attachments. I own something, something belongs to me and is mine, and that mine, as I often say, defines my sense of I, materially speaking. So he had no attachments, so the death problem was solved, so they could understand he has the answer. And the answer he gave was, of course, the beautiful Srimad Bhagavatam. In the height of the book, the acme of the book, the zenith of the book, five chapters dealing with the consummation of the love affair between Radha and Krishna, we find the gopis also demonstrated uh, this uh, um, solving the problem of, of death. They underwent an ego death to meet with Krishna. So this is kind of the, the beginning then there of uh, that Raslila takes us to the heights and it and it starts at the beginning. Their life was they 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 had so many apparently it would seem attachments, things that they should be concerned about that they um, were having heard the flute of Krishna, they lost interest in those. They became unconcerned what the relatives would think. What would become of them if they followed the flute sound in the night, and and so on and so forth? Uh, the flute sound is, of course, the sound of the the uh, diksha initiation. Hmm? So each one's name was there heard in the, in the they heard their names in the flute sound. They went. So this can get you in a lot of trouble. So some of you are seated here tonight, this morning, for that you should be aware. This could be a problem. Hmm? This will um, shed light on your attachments. Hmm? Your identity will be in question here, as you've thought of it. And a change of identity, of course, all for the good. And a uh, 
preparation and uh, an entrance into a life for dealing with death. And so it, it was the, the good fortune, if you will, of Parikshit Maharaj, but it's also called his luck because Sukadev appeared, the guru, he appeared on the scene and there was no cause for his appearance because he was not moving under the law of cause and effect, karma. What you've sown, so you shall reap, it is said, for example, in, uh, in another religious book. And um, most everyone is moving in the world under that influence, the principle of karma. But Sukadev was not moving under the influence of karma. He was the, a free soul. Hmm? He was motivated only by compassion. So, uh, Sutta Goswami has described him like this, his guru, before he Sutta, spoke the Bhagavatam, Gurunayaha Purana hmm? He offered his respect to his guru. He said, who spoke this Bhagavat Purana to the king out of karuna, out of mercy, out of compassion, not to get anything. He had nothing to gain from doing that. Hmm? He had everything and therefore he didn't want anything. Hmm? Therefore he was naked. He did not want anything. He didn't need anything. He had more than acquisition can afford because as much as we can collect, acquire, to erect and establish our kingdom with high walls and protect ourselves and so forth. Well, they said, time and tide wait for no man or woman. Hmm? So, there's no, there's, there's no, uh, Sukadev, when he began to speak the Bhagavatam to Prichard Maharaj, he said, Atma Sainyeshu, Hatsapi, Tesham, Pramatanidhanam, Pashina, Pinabhashiti. He said that, uh, we have surrounded ourselves by fallible soldiers in the form of family and friends and bank account and uh, um, property and possessions and so forth, all these things to protect us. To we, We're involved in a struggle for existence and to arrive at a sense of self and to maintain that. So, we're busy. But he said, he said, we have surrounded ourselves by fallible soldiers. I like to take it a step further by mutinous, <laughs> mutinous uh, sailors, something like that. <laughs> that not only we're we we in a boat in the middle of the ocean, this is how we're trying to sail across and we've surrounded ourselves by so many sailors and they've they declared a mutiny on the bounty. Hmm. They want to take the captain down, so to speak. So, problem. <laughs> so this is how he began to speak to Maharaj Parikshit. Hmm. So, uh, so he was not under such a burden where he could speak so wisely about it, such power. Hmm. And um, so he had solved the death problem and he was moving in the world under a different force, under a different motivation. He was not moving under the motivating force for maintaining my sense of identity. He, he, he typifies, exemplifies in his nakedness and his youth hmm, 
the very idea that he had uh, transcended such a sense of I based on a sense of my. Hmm? He was very deeply involved in cultivating a sense of my in relation to Krishna. So he was doing Harikata where he could find a suitable uh, audience. And uh, so he is the personification of Bhagya, good luck, the sadhu. This is good luck, good fortune, Word comes up here and there in Bhagavatam, and this is what it means. Hmm? Good fortune for the jiva means to have sadhu sangha. The hmm? contact is someone who's moving out of, not out of force of karmic implications and pursuit of maintaining a false sense of identity and so forth. These people are also described in, in the Gita, Mahatmanas to Amparta. Daivim Prakritim Ashrita. So under a different energy. Daivim Prakritim. Krishna's Swarup Shakti, ideally. They're moving under the influence of that. These Maha Atmas. They are also Atmas. Jivatmas. But they can become Maha. Great. So this is the greatness. Hmm? What is the greatness? They're moving under the direction, under the shelter of Krishna. That means they are always directing people hmm, uh, towards towards Krishna. And there is no more prominent way in which we can direct people towards Krishna than directing them towards his holy name, Harinam. Hmm? And, of course, Sukadev spoke Bhagavatam. Many, many things he said but its emphasis, if we study it throughout the book, as far as a methodology hmm, for attaining the position that he had attained and beyond that which he was in pursuit of, Sukadev typifies someone deeply in pursuit of the ideal, hmm, but nonetheless so much qualified. Hmm. We are all in the language of Shudamar students, Forever, you know, the way to look at Sugadev's uh, position. Hmm? So, what was that methodology? What is that methodology they emphasized? This Shravanam Kirtanam, Satatam Kirtayantomam. Uh, what does he say? Uh, 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 a verse from Bhagavatam about Kirtan, there are so many. Kirtana Deva Krishnasya Mukta Sangha Parambajit. Throughout. And then the, the final word of Bhagavatam, when the speech or the text itself comes to rest, it emphasizes this Sankirtan. So, this is the then uh, the person then who embodied that. Sankirtan. Hmm. Not only in terms of its dissemination, but in terms of realization of its efficacy in the deepest sense. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Is there any wonder then why the Gaudi people have identified him, made this connection between him and the Bhagavatam? Hmm. 
and, and through him brought out then all the implications of Srimad Bhagavatam, what Sukadev was saying and so on and so forth. So this is where we find ourselves by good fortune in Gaudiya Sampradaya, card-carrying members and those about to be so in the form of being blessed by the uh, a, a representative in the succession of um, charges to chant the holy name with in a systematic way, it means, under guidance. We're wandering without guidance, Krishna says, or uh, Kaviraj Goswami wrote, Brahmanda Brahmite Kon Bhagavanji. The Jeev is wandering throughout the universe through different species of life. And in one, in the human life, that's a good fortune there. Hmm? But to add to that, the real luck is to meet the sadhu. Hmm? Sometimes an example is given of the tortoise who apparently has big lungs because he could take a deep breath and go under the water for a long time. But ultimately he has to come up. So sometimes the it said the tortoise goes into the water deep and then it freezes over in the winter. And there may be some little hole where he can find water, but to find that hole then becomes very difficult. Ordinarily, in the summertime, you could come up anywhere. So, in our life, we're kind of like underwater and frozen over on the top. So, to find a hole to get a breath of air is how lucky we are to, to find a connection with the sadhu. And to be blessed then, to chant the Holy Name means to come under his or her guidance, to chant with guidance. So Krishna says, Brahmanda Bhamite Kon Bhagavan Jeev Guru Krishna Prasade Pai Bhakti Latavij. Hmm? That Krishna, hmm, in the heart, or in the heart of the sadhu, having come out of the heart and danced on his tongue or her tongue and into the public, hmm, that Harinam goes into our hearts. And so by the grace of Krishna in the heart, the jeev is wandering and unsystematically wandering in pursuit of its prospects. But by the grace of Krishna in the heart, Krishna directs the jiva to the, to the guru, makes this connection. Hmm? And the jeev becomes lucky to meet that person moving beyond cause and effect. So by the grace of Krishna, we get the Guru, and by the grace of the Guru, what do we get? Krishna. Hmm? So it means, yes, Krishna is available to everyone. Sometimes people want no mediation between themselves and God. Hmm? They think that will be, I don't want anybody between myself and God. Hmm? And the God thing, relationship with God, is supposed to be often thought of as a private affair. That's between me and God. So how can we have a third person there to raise a crowd? This is sometimes the thought. But Krishna is saying here that um, through the pen of Krishna Das Kabbaras, the teaching is coming that Krishna 
brings the jiva to himself in the form of the sadhu and the sadhu representing Krishna brings the jiva to Krishna so this is Krishna's system by which we will get to know him develop a relationship with him by introducing us to someone who knows him knows about him can speak in such a way about him that our attraction for him will be fostered so this is not a person then that gets in the way between ourselves and God. Indeed, Krishna Skaviraj Goswami explains in his Chaitanya Charitamrita that Krishna is the Antaryami in the heart and he comes outside in the form of the Mahant, the Guru, hmm? to speak to us in so many ways that it's difficult for us to avoid hmm? and misconstrue what he, uh, where he is and how to how to attain him and so forth. So this is a very special extension, if you will, of uh, Krishna uh, locally appearing in a form just suitable uh, to help us personally. So this should not be seen, the guru principle, as something that gets in the way of our relationship with Krishna, the third person that becomes the, the, the crowd in three is a crowd. Prabhupada used to give the example of the window. What do you see when you look at the window? You see outside. Hmm? So when we see the Guru, then we should be here to be a media that is uh, a medium that is transparent. Hmm? Embodies um, the teaching of Krishna and uh, represents him. So not an artificial imposition. I like to think of it as our prospect coming before us, personified. Hmm. Our heart's ideal. Therefore, what we find, our experience is, that when our guru speaks, it is as if he or she is articulating what we already more or less felt to be true, kind of, but we couldn't articulate it as well. We don't feel it as... Uh, artificial kind of, again, imposition, but it hits home. As a home-knowing person, is essential for home-going. And when he or she speaks, then we say, oh, that hit home. Hmm. It touched our heart. We knew it was right. Hmm. So, he builds on that, so to speak, what we already kind of know to an extent, and we know, as I like to say in human life, we know, we have a sense that there's more to us than what meets the eye, which means to say there's more to us than what we can gather by sense perception. We are the eye. And to play that out, it's not because we have eyes that the eye sees, not because we have a mind that the eye knows, but the the eye is a knower independent of mind, the seer independent of eyes, the hearer independent of ears. And we know in human life this. This is universally intuitive in human life that there's more to me. We can reason against that intuitive sense, and people do that, unfortunately. But the natural sensibility in human life, is a knowing, it's in a vague sense, there's more to me. That knowing is what the Guru builds upon. Hmm? He comes to bringing the, the 
the yes, the, 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 the affirmation of what you know, and helping us to refine that and play that and the implications of that. What is the more that we know, we intuitively know we are? What is it in its farthest uh, reaching sense? Hmm? So this is a great uh, um, opportunity. Hmm? And, uh, and the, again, the principal method, if you will, by which he teaches us that um, that more will be known and realized is the chanting of Hari Nam. Hmm? That uh, name is very uh, kind. He's a thief, so he will, piece by piece, if he sets up shop in the heart, put everybody else out of business. He's a bit of a cheat. So he sells his product less than everybody's and it just so happens that it's worth more than every other shop of desire that set itself up in the heart. Hmm? So this is our main uh, uh, focus um, in Gaudi Vaishnavism, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has taught. Chaito Darpanamarjanam, this is the beginning, the name will cleanse the heart. It is said that he takes a very humble position, he becomes a sweeper. He enters the courtyard of the heart and sweeps the heart. Hmm? And as that becomes clear, that chitta becomes cleansed, then we can take advantage of the name in the form of the mantra, for example, hmm? that will help us to chant the nam, diksha mantra, nam mantra. Diksha mantra will help us. So at a certain stage of development of the chanting, that may become, uh, that will be helpful. Chetudarpanamarjam, bhavanam hadavagani, nivapanam. These are the first two stages given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu cleansing the heart of the heart. Uh, some some uh, freedom from the ties of our false identity and so forth. As much as we these stages are affected, that Diksha Mantra will prove very helpful to us. Then Shreya Kairava Chandrika Bhattaranam goes further, the chanting of the name continues. And Real tangible help from the other side. Ruchi, vidyabhadujivanam, asakti. One develops attachment for Krishna, attachment for the name and identity. As I said earlier, is then takes birth from that attachment, a form, internal form. Vidyabhadu uh, jivanam anandam buddhivardhanam patipatam punam vitasvadhanam sarvatma snapanam param vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtan. Let there be victory everywhere to the chanting of the holy name. Hmm? All these stages will develop from asakti to entering into an ocean of bhava, of ecstasy. Anandam buddhivardhanam ever increasing. Punam vitasvadhanam sarvatma snapanam and prem comes. Hmm? in new separation and in union. All this through the chanting of the Holy Name in a systematic way under the guidance it means and the blessing of the Guru who also in due course will impart to us the Krishna Mantra in the dative case, Krishna Nam in the form of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra comes in the vocative case. The dative case is, is, a, is a particular then petition and it can help us to foster this this um, 
Sharanagati, surrender, and qualify as for longing, hmm? characteristic of, of Bhava Bhakti. So, as you can see, I'm saying briefly there's a system here we're entering into for taking advantage of the, uh, well, what can we do? Namas come into our hearts uh, to one extent or another, and making it difficult for us to maintain our attachments. We feel uh, compelled to make a change. So this is now with initiation needs really in a very uh, systematic way and a blessing to chant with good guidance and so forth. This is to acknowledge that Nam Prabhu has come to me and through a particular agent primarily. Hmm? So to show my gratitude and and understand and the implications that oh that come to me in this way, so the full benefits of that will be derived by chanting under his or her guidance. This is the idea. <laughs> so also there are stages of the of chanting as Bhaktivinotakur has theologized uh, in the form of Namaparad, Namabhas, and Shudhanam. They're not particularly uh, described like this. Um, Previously to uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur's writing about uh, Nam, but there are seeds to this idea given in the Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamrita also. The idea that the Nam, for example, in in the form of Abhas, a shadow of the name, is like the dawn. I believe this is given in Chaitanya Charitamrita, like the dawn. At dawn, you don't see the sun yet, but you feel the effects. It's light out. It's you know the sun is coming. Soon it will be warm. Soon the day will be lit brightly, and and so forth. So, the fact that 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 you're not in the sun's rays directly, but indirectly, has a very powerful and compelling effect. Before that, the night is dark, and we have some question, hmm? so to speak. So Namabhas is spoken of like this in Chaitanya Charitamrita in relation to, I think, Haridas Thakur's speaking about the efficacy of of, of Namabhas alone, or to speak of Shudhanam that can give praise. So Namabhas can give liberation. Hmm? So Bhaktivinoda Thakur has spoken of it as a stage. It's a stage of chanting in which we are chanting systematically with a desire to make progress under good guidance and so forth in, in general hmm? in which we are aware of the various offenses the implications of those we're avoiding them hmm? this is this is where our initiates are coming to here because it, the the can't be the We, we come here in the Western world, for example, to this practice in, in a, often a different way in which people, for example, in Bharat and India come to the to the chanting. Uh, they may be born in a Vaishnava family. I guess some, now there are devotees born in Vaishnava families also. So they take to the chanting and they like kirtan and so forth and so on. But... Many times, often we see they don't know really what it's all about. The philosophy, the sambandha jnana, 
they're that uh, they're lacking. So they like kirtan. They seem to be natural devotees, born in Vaishnav families, and so forth. But um, they need to learn and have a conversion, so to speak. Uh, as as well, this conversion, if you will, this is this is really the how, means moving in the direction of an of an intermediate devotee, hmm? moving from a nam aparad to nam abhas, hmm? shradhanam abhas, a kind of nam abhas. There may be different kinds. As Bhaktivinoda Thakur has theologized, different types of of shadows or dim reflections of the name. But Shraddhanam it means it's based on faith derived from hearing from devotees. Hmm? And this Shraddhanam that will, that will be helpful to us. It means uh, applying ourselves to the chanting with, with, uh, uh, with uh, thoughtfulness, mindfulness, and in light of the teachings about Nam Prabhu and so forth. Sometimes now the Kirtaniers, it's a popular thing to do Kirtan, some of the Godia Kirtaniers, they don't want to speak any philosophy. They just want to do Kirtan. They say, well, we just do Kirtan. People will love the Kirtan. They'll become attracted. Then they'll become devotees. There's no need to speak any philosophy. The problem is that those who are doing the Kirtan need to hear philosophy themselves <laughs> and understand the implications of it. It's not just a party hmm? or a, um, a new genre of, uh, of, of, of music. You can get your picture on the album cover and uh, and so forth. Uh, become popular. No, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has explained that without someone to gyan, this nam will not be very effective. Hmm? He won't reveal himself. And that is the business of the guru. Diksha means someone to gyan. It comes, initiation means under the jurisdiction of someone to gyan. We have someone to gyan, abhideya, and prayojana. Sambandha means a kind of conceptual orientation and the means or the activity that that conceptual orientation fosters, hmm, that's the abhideya, that's called bhakti. hmm, And the goal or the fruit, the result of that, the prayojan, that is called praying. So we need this uh, sambandha jnana. This should not be spared. We should do kirtan and we should explain what is kirtan. There, there, now there's kirtan, Ganesh kirtan, and, and Shiva kirtan, and Durga kirtan, and uh, nobody knows that Durga didn't ask for kirtan, Shiva didn't ask for kirtan, Kali didn't ask for kirtan, Ganesh didn't ask for kirtan. Kirtan means Krishna kirtan. Satatam kirtayanto, Mam. And Krishna speaking, me, he says, do kirtan about me. Hmm? Always, in any circumstance, anywhere. It's not a limb of yoga, it's not a limb of jnana, it's a limb of bhakti. Hmm? Krishna is really for, I mean, it's not a bad thing, you sing Ganesh, Ganesh, Shiva, Shiva. Hmm? But they didn't ask for it, and they didn't say, simply by chanting my name, everything will be accomplished. The scriptures did not advocate in, in, in unison, really, this is the conclusion of all the Upanishads. By sound you will, you will know. You will go to the place of, no, of not returning. Hmm? That's the way of understanding that final sutra of, of Radharayana Vyas 
It said, going there, one will never return because the sound says so. It means because the Upanishads say so. Hmm? But it also means going there by sound, hmm? because of sound, one will never return. And that sound, that one sound out of all the sounds that constitute the Veda, the Upanishad, the Puranas, and so forth, uh, that will be most effective, that is Krishnanam. Therefore, Rupa Goswami is written beautifully in his Namastakam. How Krishnanam is like mm, the Upanishad, the sounds in the Upanishads are like valuable jewels, and they shed their light, their, their effulgence on the centerpiece of Krishnanam, this one sound. Hmm? They're all pointing in this direction. Uh, so. <coughs> So to understand all these things, this is important. This will increase our capacity to do kirtan hmm? and pay attention. Without which, paying attention, it becomes namaparad. So we should pay attention in this way at least. We may have a difficulty sitting and paying attention while chanting, but we should pay attention to the teachings. We shouldn't think, oh, philosophy, that's divisive. Divisive? It div- hmm? Is it divisive? Divisive, divisive. <laughs> it divides. We will do nam, that will unify. Hmm? But uh, unification for what? Unification for chanting something and you don't know what it means and you think it's a party and we're just going to work up a sweat and chant <laughs> and uh, attract the opposite sex and, uh, and so forth. It's some kind of chanting. If that kind of chanting is effective, it will bring us to attentive chanting. And attentive chanting, in one sense, means to be attentive to what the chanting is all about, to the philosophy. Hmm? This is not just a sentiment. It's not just a musical sound. Hmm? No, there's a philosophy that underlies, and a theology, and it's profound, and it's deep. So we should pay attention to that according to our capacity. Hmm? Learn that. Hmm? This is what it means to have a guru. This is the guru's fault. Because, what the, because when you ask a question of the guru, he or she's going to say, well, the answer is this, because the Shruti says this, the Smriti says this, the Puranas say this, the previous Acharyas have said that. They're going to refer to a body of knowledge. Hmm? So if you have no acquaintance with that, or very little interest in that, the guru's answers are not going to be very interesting to you. Hmm? They're not going to be very compelling. You don't have really... The, what is required for, the, to, for treading the path and for having a guru, faith. Faith in revelation and the necessity for help from above, so to speak, in order to go to tread the, 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 the uh, to go the distance ourselves. Hmm? So the, the guru is, has, has bathed in the Vedic wisdom. He's well acquainted with this and he will answer on the basis of that, there are things that also means to say that cannot be known outside of the sacred text. It has it, it is full of uncommon wisdom. In a basic sense, it has uncommon wisdom. Hmm? It cannot be collected elsewhere. Hmm? So he'll refer to that. So there will be things that are said there that that uh, we have to accept also. Hmm? on faith. You have to accept on faith that there's a difference between you and the body. <laughs> you cannot demonstrate it empirically at this point. Hmm? You have to, uh, on, on faith, well-reasoned faith, of course. Hmm? So, at any rate, 
chanting systematically. We want to chant. We don't want to chant Nam Aparad. In one sense that means, I want a guru. And I want to listen to him or her very carefully and understand what I'm involved in. Then, in this, at least this sense, my chanting will be attentive. I'm making an attempt to pay attention, to gather information, knowledge about the name. And the, uh, the, 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 the practice of bhakti that chanting is central to. It's, centri- it's not only a limb of bhakti, it's the central limb of bhakti, particularly in, in Kali Yuga. Then the Krishna himself in the form of Tkor, or Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has focused his entire teaching on this chanting. So we should study Shikshastakam and the commentaries on this, for example. And uh, uh, and uh, understand well this this this, uh, this kind of kirtan we want mm-hmm. informed kirtan that it, at least is bringing us to the to the uh, it's a it's a kirtan under the auspices of someone who's doing shuddhanam mm-hmm. can bring us quickly from nam aparad to nam abhas from offensive chanting unattentive inattentive chanting uninformed chanting. Hmm? to chanting with real interest and concern, uh, the implications of the name, to Shuddhanam. Hmm? This is the idea. Hmm? So the defenses, they are ten, they should be, uh, we should be aware of this. If we study them, we'll think, it doesn't seem so hard to avoid that. I mean, I don't, well, we shouldn't offend the Guru, it is said. We shouldn't offend the Vaishnavas. That shouldn't be hard. Hmm? People do it, but... Hmm? We, it shouldn't be hard. Vaishnavas have given us all, exemplified this. They bring the theoretical into the practical for us. We should respect all Vaishnavas, Vaishnavas who are less advanced than ourselves, who are equals, who are superior to us, more advanced than us. Hmm? Um, that doesn't seem so hard. We shouldn't think that the name of Krishna is um, is uh, is uh, like the name of Ganesh or um, Brahma, Durga, or something like that. Uh, no, it has a special position. It means Krishna's position is special within the pantheon of the Hindu gods and goddesses. I mean, the way he is uh, uh, conducts himself makes that clear, as I've often said. He only plays, so in order to play, you have to have some power. Take a vacation, which is to play, you have to have some money in the bank, you have to have acquired some power. So he only plays. He is all-powerful. Krishna's playing the flute means he has nothing to do. So, he's, his position is different. Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swayam. Not only amongst the gods and goddesses, but amongst the avatars. Not only amongst the devas, but amongst Narayan's avatars. His position is supreme. Narayan comes from him. So this means, you see, this is what it means to pay attention. We should understand this point. Chant with this in mind. Not think the name of Krishna is equal to other names of gods and goddesses. Different. Again, we shouldn't offend the Guru, Guru Avagya. We should. We should. This. This. This is also the whole idea. As I said, you can only chant Nam Krishna, uh, Nam Aparad, without taking shelter of the Guru, and chanting under his or her blessings. Why? Hmm? Because to avoid that, I would say, if we avoid that as some people do today, taking shelter of the guru, 
taking initiation. We offend the name because it is an offense to the name Guru Avogya to disregard the Guru. So if we disregard the Guru, we think, well, I don't need a Guru. I don't want a Guru. I want Krishna, but I don't want a Guru. I don't want to be initiated. Then this be, this is offense to the name. So you're only in a position of... Of course, if we want to be initiated, we're not. That's another thing. And we're, we're, we're open to that. And we're searching for our guru and so forth. That's a different thing. But people develop these days a, a callousness towards the principle of guru. Nam will never be pleased with this. He would never reveal himself to such callousness. The guru is himself in the most, most kind form. So, these offenses to be avoided, and there's another offense uh, that we should uh, not um, uh, fourth offense to uh, let's say vilify the Vedas, disrespect the sacred texts. Sacred texts um, is the, the are the prince constitute the principal body of of revelation. So this is uh, uh, always to be respected. There are sections of the texts also that speak about jnana and about karma. We should respect those sections, even though we are following bhakti. Hmm? Some people don't have adhikar for bhakti. They should follow those paths. That may be right for until they can get adhikar for bhakti. Sometimes we have to critique the paths in relation to bhakti, but we respect them. And this is the idea. So the sacred text should be respected. Then the fifth offense, we shouldn't think that the name is, the glories of the name that are many uh, are merely imagination or, excuse me, exaggeration. There are exaggerated statements in the scriptures. If you do this, you'll get this in order to bring people in. But the glories of the name are not an exaggeration, so we shouldn't think like that. And we should not interpret the name to be something other than what it is. Mahaprabhu was asked by Balaba to hear his interpretation of the name. He said, I know nothing about the name other than the name is the one who suckles the breast of Yashoda, Sham Sundar, Yashoda Nandan. He's saying, my understanding of name is the name is non different from Krishna. Hmm? Any other interpretation I'm not interested in. Sometimes people interpret it in different ways. So, no. Hmm. So that's four, five, six, seven. One should not then uh, commit sins on the strength of the name. We shouldn't think, well, I've got the best of both worlds here. I chant, I get all these great effects, then I can do misdeeds and they'll be eradicated. Uh, this is an attempt to beat the system. Hmm. The long arm of the law. What is the Sanskrit for that verse? Uh, what is his name? The God of the Laws? Yama. Huh. Yama. Be, the word is used in there. It means like that. You can't avoid the long, the long arm of, of Yama Raj. So, eighth offense then, we shouldn't consider the chanting of Nam, Sankirtan. It's a kind of yagya, as it's the sacrifice, as it's described in Bhagavatam. Yajnaisan kirtana praya yajantihi sumedasaha. It's for very thoughtful people hmm, to uh, to take up this chanting. 
And they think, and correctly so, that this chanting is a sacrifice, but it's different than other sacrifices prescribed in the Vedas, for example, for, example, for, the, for, for acquisition, hmm? perverti marg, systematic way of attaining good uh, material results. No, it's not like that. Hmm? So it's a sacrifice, but it's of a different... Uh, it's qualitatively different. And the eighth offense, ninth offense is that well, we shouldn't give the name to the faithless people. We should see that, the guru should see that the people who he gives nam to, that they have been hearing, they have faith in the teaching of the efficacy of nam, at least in a basic sense. Not that he'll give the name just because that man has a lot of money. I'll give them the nam. He'll be my disciple. And that's my 401k. Hmm. My retirement fund over there. Shouldn't make a business out of Nam. Hmm. And the tenth offense that one should not, um, in spite of hearing so many instructions about the name and, and the fact that we are meant to move in a different direction now, away from bodily attachments and so forth, and the identity that arises from there, we don't let go. Hmm. We kind of keep the anchor down, so that has to be pulled up. So these are the, the ten offenses. Bhakti Vinod said, 11th offense is inattentive chanting. We've talked about that to some extent. They should be avoided. We should chant under good guidance and of the Guru and with the blessings of the Vaishnavas and so forth. So, with that, we'll ask the devotees who have been hearing from me for some time now to come forward and I'll give you beads to chant on that I've chanted on. And, and neck beads also of Tulsi. The Japa beads are made from the Tulsi, the sacred basil. And neck beads also to wear around your neck to identify you as as uh, a Gaudiya Vaishnava. And I'll give you a name and a number. We'll work out a number to, of times for chanting. So I'll have to take this off for a moment. off. So now you understand? You've been listening for a while, right? Before you came here, you were listening to my t- lectures? Yes. How often? Uh, about six lectures a day. Six, <laughs> six lectures a day. That's a big part of the day. So No wonder you're staying here full time. <laughs> That's good. So, I should mention also that We've talked about the chanting as the principal practice in my Guru Maharaj based on Bhagavatam, Srimad Bhagavatam. There it is mentioned that in in, uh, in Kali Yuga there are four like haunts of Kali personified and you want to avoid him. 
and and those haunts are intoxication, um, illicit sex, and he used to explain them like this: meat eating and gambling. So, don't gamble. You live an honest life. Don't make money illegally or live in ashram, and you don't need money. Right? You got that covered. And then, um, immediately means also mean jivadvaita to be, be be kind to others. The innocent animals they shouldn't be dealt with like the people do, slaughtering them for food. That's not required. So we avoid that. Sex, well, the ashram, that's not an option. And if we if we have the necessity for a relationship, then we sanctify that, um, make it more meaningful by. Uh, restricting that within the monogamous type of a relationship, and then um, intoxication—that's not going to help us, right? So we avoid that. You understand that, right? Okay. So I'll ask you now: How many rounds are you going to chant? Okay, we do that every day, unless I tell you to chant less, because right? you're living here, so. You never know what will happen. All right, now you chant like this with the middle finger and the thumb. You start when you chant your rounds, you start with the big bead here. See, there's a big bead. It comes to a smaller bead. It's like the trunk of a tree. So start at the bottom. Chant all the way around at the top. Pick a fruit and come back down. Hmm? Fruit is love of God here. Hmm? So you once around, that's one round. Then the other way, like that. So many times, okay? So right, your name. Well, here, let me give you the mantra. Right here. Om Hari Krishna Hari Krishna 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 Hari 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 Ram Hari Ram 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 Hari Hari. Jai Dauji Kopal Ke Jai. Your name is Madhu Mangal. Madhu Mangal Das. Madhu means honey. Mangal means Auspicious it means sweet auspiciousness. It's a it's a name for Krishna. It's a name for one of Krishna's friends, also one of his best friends. He's a Brahmin friend. You can read about him over in due course. He's a quite a jovial fellow too. You're a little bit like that. Manu Mangal Das Kijai. Okay, you can you can take that off. And take some bees off and then put it back together. Otherwise, you keep it on. Okay? The Tulsi beads, Kuntimalanek beads, then they're meant to protect us, as I've many times said. It's, it helps us because in public people see us and they go, oh, you must be, what are those necklaces? And then they, they like that sometimes. You get to talk about it briefly. <laughs> or, or someone says, oh, are you a devotee? And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, right. I'm a devotee. Yes, yes. So it protects us this way. This is all true with the Vaishnava attire, which, of course, is something that people used to wear in India and be identified more so visibly as a Vaishnava, and that's very favorable for bhakti, but you can't go to work like that too readily without getting fired or being questioned. So, But in ritual practice and so forth, and devotional attire is helpful. Neck beads is part of that, so at least. Okay? 
So how many rounds will you chant? Okay. And you understand everything else, right? Mm-hmm. You have good association with it. You live with another devotee, so that's important. Okay. So your name well here, let me give you the mantra. Om. So your name is Nandini Devi Dasi. Nandini, Nandini. Nandini means that's a female way of saying um, it comes from the root Nand, which means bliss. So Nandini means who gives bliss, but it's feminine. So it's a name for Radha. Hmm? Radha Dasi, Nandini Dasi, Kijai. So, yes, here, I forgot. Come, one more thing. This is your sack, <laughs> bead bag. That should be white. You can, if you're a householder, you can wear any color you like, but you keep the bead bag white. So, that means, color means the world, is the idea. Except for this color, this means to burn the world up. <laughs> Something like that. Sangsara Dhavanavidaloka means where they're supposed to burn away all those desires. So anyone have any questions? We've had a nice discussion. We have two new initiates. Very happy. Please give them your blessings. Welcome into the family of Bhaktivinod Thakur, Bhaktivinod Parivarki Jai. All right, so we we'll stop there.